Hi, this is Michael Waits and welcome back to India Game Changer. Today we are joined by Vikram Gupta and Yatin Kavishwar, co-founders of Awiros. Vikram and Yatin, it's great to have you on the show. How are you both doing today? We're doing very well. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. It's a great opportunity for us to be here as well. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for hosting us. Awesome. It's, it's good to be part of your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. It's great to have you both. Before we get into the central part of this conversation, I like to get a little bit of the background of my guests to start. Vikram, can we start with you? My story is actually quite simplistic. Aviros is my first and only job. Oh no. I am an engineer by background. I did my PhD from Carnegie Mellon, which I finished in end of 2014. The goal was to build a technology platform to build the software infrastructure of the future. And I finished that PhD in kind of a concept of that and wanted to take that to market. And that is how Aviros was born as an OS for internet of things. I can't wait and to get to that. I knew immediately uh, I, I want to do that. And I came back to India and founded Aviros. And that's all what I'm about. So I love so it. it. All through my... It's so specific. It's so specific. Yatin, and how about you? So I think uh, I come from a completely different background. Vikram is more of a researcher. And I spent 17 years in business development, sales, alliances, marketing, you know, before uh, me and Vikram met. So I started my professional journey in 2000. So I was fortunate to, you know, work with companies like IBM, CEA, Computer Associates, then Cisco, Citrix. And uh, my last uh, experience was with AppDynamics. Oh, wow. That was uh, in 2015. In fact, uh, the same year where Vikram started his uh, journey parallelly. And after 15, you know, I moved out and evangelized on uh, you know, technology and obviously, you know, uh, with the intent to start something on my own. Right. However, when I saw the landscape being into IT, so, you know, I thought uh, I need a technology partner with me. Yeah. That will be a very important aspect of our journey. That's how uh, I, I, me and Vikram met. So that's an interesting story. But uh, I think uh, this one is good to introduce me <laughs> at it, this I point in time. <laughs> Can I ask you this? What was it like going to school at Carnegie Mellon? in Western Pennsylvania? And like, how did it make you look at the world in a way that was different if maybe you had just studied in India for your entire life? Actually, I think we, I went there as a dreamy-eyed boy, right? We, I didn't know what to, and it, it was actually my first time out of India as well. Oh, wow. Never traveled outside of India. never knew what the Western world, I think from India perspective, looked like. Comfort that I had, I already had a few friends going to school there at Carnegie Mellon. So there, so there was some microcosm of, of support already available. Right. When I went to Carnegie Mellon, I realized that uh, first thing that hit me was was the amount of pride that is involved in in a Western education, especially in the tier one education like CMU. CMU. Yeah. It was amazing. So for us, to be honest, right, so we and India engineering was known to be okay. It's a bunch of smart guys, but they will probably be relaxed about the education a little bit. It will not be that much of involved, thorough, I would say, uh, learning. Really? Carnegie Mellon changed that completely. So first semester was a big learning curve for me. I, I was not ready. I, I actually could not anticipate the environment that was going to come on towards me. And with PhD, it was two things that I had to do in parallel, right? We had to yeah. do a few courses as well, as well as start working on my research. I was fortunate with my with my peer group. They helped me out there, but it was a shock in, in the way even normal computer science courses were done. And it was a big jump. 
I am sure. Fortunately, I sailed through it. <laughs> Fortunately, I made it. I want to ask you. I want to ask you guys this too. I was doing a recording yesterday, and this just popped into my head. Yeah, I was doing a recording yesterday with a guy who's, and I'm trying to remember this, whose LinkedIn profile said the future belongs to those who see possibilities before they become obvious. Right, and it reminded me because I remember this from yesterday's conversation that I said one of my best investor clients once said to me, "The best investors are those people that anticipate other people's anticipations." And I'm really curious, right? Because you started Abiros what seven years ago, 2015. Correct. Can you yes. both maybe remember what was that thing that you saw that wasn't that obvious to everybody else that said we've got to build what seems to me, and again, tell me where I'm wrong, this integrated hardware and software company, right? So building an OS, tuning it specifically for specific hardware that you helped design in partnership, right? Like, what did you see that nobody else saw back then? What I saw or what I thought was that we knew the, the kind of final submission in my PhD thesis was for such technologies to become market ready and being adopted at scale. Right. A software infrastructure has to come into place, which allows customers to leverage underlying infrastructure in a more efficient way. So I think I, I, I'm not the first one to really invent this idea, but it has already happened in few areas before, right? So mobile phone and smartphone, that journey was a good example for us to take forward from. A normal mobile phone in early 2000 was just to make phone calls or maybe do text, text messages, right? Yeah. But then smartphone came in, marketplace of apps came in, uh, integrated hardware came in, which let you do so many more things that you couldn't have even imagined. And we thought the same thing is supposed to happen in how we automate the physical world. And we believed this should happen. The technology was also changing towards that. But this thought that technology should enable a large scale adoption of automation, especially through video yeah. and scalable in a scalable way is something that is missing in the world today. And we believe, actually, in 2015, to be very honest, we believe it will happen in two years. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we were we were a little too optimistic, I guess. But uh, but that's but normal, yes. right? So it did. So that inflection point we saw did come in in end of 2019, early 2020. Yeah. And I think Yatin has a very interesting perspective on how hardware and technology also played in the in a role. Go ahead, and then I have a follow up. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm not a techie, right, uh, or an engineer. But uh, I think I filled that uh, gap with my uh, view towards uh, how technology at large is adopted, right? And yep. that uh, I was fortunate to have uh, that experience with uh, the companies that I worked with. Uh, I think during the same time, 2015-16, I got uh, introduced to video AI, right, as a concept. And parallelly, as Vikram was building up his uh, uh, vision over his PhD thesis, parallelly, you know, when I got introduced to this technology, the interesting thing happened was visualization that can video AI be also uh, adopted at scale, number one. And if it has to be adopted at scale, what are the ingredients which are required? And obviously, as you rightly uh, said, uh, integration of the software, the right hardware and building those right tool sets so that it can be scaled for adoption was actually missing. Got it. And then in that endeavor, I, I came across uh, another startup, which I started consulting, right? Okay. And uh, in fact, we're trying to build up something around the same, on the same lines. I think uh, analogy, you, you know, uh, what uh, struck me uh, during that time was the Android or the way Android and uh, iOS have transformed 
adoption of applications on a mobile phone yeah can a similar uh, platform might exist somewhere or can it be built which can help customers scale the video ai applications one more interesting uh, uh, timeline was again 2015 16 where computer vision which is the core technology on everos works right and artificial intelligence they started getting commercialized together right that helped customers to build a lot of predictability in the application and the adoption was obvious after that right so why i said uh, you know brought this story is interestingly when me and vikram met and we had our first conversation and when i saw uh, what vikram is really doing i think all that my you know zeal and enthusiasm towards the video ai and the way i thought i think it matched picture perfect yeah so i think that was one point where we both thought that yes i think if there are two people both from different diverse background one getting the technology aspect i am more coming from the market so there is a market which i believe vikram said yes there is a market if this product is there and i think that was a interesting you know handshake uh, you know together <laughs> can we make some analogies here just to make sure that everybody understands this First of all, it feels to me like there's a through line with what Silicon Graphics did back in like the late 80s and early 90s. Right? We want to build a machine that optimizes for this one one function or highly optimizes yeah. for this function, and we want to build a machine just for that. Now they did not have access to the same throughput connectivity and compute that we have today. So it's a it's a different thing. But if you look at what I call functional abstraction, right? Let's take yeah. something that people use technology to do. but they use it on a general purpose machine let's take that function that we think is going to become way more important let's abstract it away and let's build the hardware and the operating system this is a really nuanced decision to make not just software but to build the os for it means you're making a bigger decision right and in a way what you're saying is we know we can build a bunch of software on top of this platform ourselves but the platform business is always going to win because what it does is it democratizes the ability for other people to build on top of the platform and then the platform never goes away and even if we can't build every piece of it we've learned through the development of literally windows the tight application of of apple of mac os and then into the smartphones that if you own the platform you own the business is that what's happening here in the video ai space uh, i think that is exactly the journey and the goal that we are following so we believe that for this technology to get to its true potential the underlying challenges so there are many uh, every technology product has vertical technology stack yep. and the core value add that the technology brings is actually in probably somewhere in the middle in the top two three layers only right today just hypothetically we are using zoom for this call right it runs on so much of existing tech right yeah. ios or windows and the network stack and so on the hardware that we are using it for and so on. so it would have been impossible for zoom or any video conferencing software to actually build it from scratch and take it to market yeah right so you cannot build a laptop for zoom it will not fly <laughs> no, this is exactly what is happening Right. This is this is exactly what has been happening in video AI or in this space. We took a conscious decision that okay, we are going to do the heavy lifting first for us and then for the world. That the technology stack that involves probably ten large, complicated technologies, 
and i think in total about 120 and 30 moving parts yeah. and we will give you five or six levers just to play with so that you can take your application plug it in and run it at scale without having to kind of build or reinvent the wheel every single time like every other software abstraction or platform has attempted to do in this space we believe we are among the first to do and we want to take this to a, to a global scale from here on what are some of the difficulties of building your own i mean software itself is hard enough to develop right i mean it's just super hard to do and it's super hard to do well but now you've added the complexity and the sophistication of building hardware as well like where you know i'm trying to remember the famous steve jobs quote but somebody said if yes. you really want to be serious about software you have to build your own software, hardware you should do your own Right. So I completely understand this concept. But it adds it does add another level of complexity, right? I mean it took decades for Microsoft to go, "Okay, we'll build the Surface," right? Yes. And it was just after years of watching Apple eat their lunch and some of those devices. I'm not making a political decision here, but you guys said right from the beginning, if to do this right, we need our own hardware. What level of complexity does it add to building this whole thing? Because the what's the right word? The capex for building hardware is super different yeah. than the capex for building super software. Different. Yeah. absolutely luckily we were fortunate to basically with yatin's inputs so we were fortunate to do hardware without a heavy capex and this is also a, a something that we were able to do well so one of the things that we actually did was that we focused very deeply on partnering with the hardware oem so we went to intel we went to nvidia we went to cisco we went to dell saying that hey this is our vision we want to build this platform uh which should work tightly with the underlying hardware without so that the customer can adopt it in a plug and play manner and and of course uh we did actually we didn't have any success story but our our vision and concept did resonate with some people and we started benchmarking and building a right mix of i would say hardware platforms that could become the uh, i would say or start behaving like an appliance rather than a general purpose computer this is right? the whole point though right sorry if you yeah. if you own the right. hardware and the software at right. the end of the day it should be way easier to use because you control the entire experience is that fair exactly we control yes absolutely so we as i mentioned right we were fortunate to work with uh, with the giants in this space even we yeah. were a small startup and they are multi billion dollar company so we we got the right support from those companies to build not build i would say to package the right specifications of hardware in a way that makes it easy for us to port our hardware on so there is actually we have a few white papers in this space with with all of those companies and and we have kind of so that helped us do hardware and software infra without the capex challenge i think this is also something that we are probably i would say among the early adopters of this approach in this space yatin i think you you can yeah. add to this so i think uh, we were right you know at the at the right place at the right time with these uh, you know uh, companies in fact 2018 19 obviously you know when uh, uh, when companies like intel nvidia as victor mentioned obviously cisco and dell as well because they are the guys who package everything uh, in in uh, hardware uh, they were also you know quite eager to look at new use cases and i think video ai obviously you know video ai requires a lot of hardware yeah. you know to run in from a inferencing perspective so you know for us to partner with them was there a need uh, for them to partner with us answer is yes the company to go behind for these uh, big guys you know a uh, company of uh, in 2018 we were like 11 uh, or 12 people uh, right. company so 
But I think we were really uh, quite excited when the same uh, was reciprocated from the other end. And I think that's where we accelerated our journey of uh, benchmarking and uh, moving towards standardization because most of the enterprise customers, if they are looking at adoption of this technology, I think they would put their bet on companies which have done some work, some benchmarking. Uh, and I think uh, partnering with them really helped us, you know, take that whole position uh, in the market. Can you walk me through a little bit this process? This is something that's super curious to me. And both of you said this, you know, we were just like an 11 person company dealing with giants. You just don't wake up one day and go, okay, I'm just going to call Intel and just do a deal with them. Like, that's just not the way it works, right? And then do the same thing with Absolutely. Cisco and NVIDIA. You just don't dial like 1-800-DEAL guy and just get that guy on the phone <laughs> and do the thing. I'm really curious what the process is like. And I mean this, right? Because I don't know about finding the right person to talk to, maybe getting a little bit of a runaround internally. Like, what is that whole process like? And how long does yeah. it take, right? Because for a startup, every day is another dollar potentially spent and invested and every day matters. So I'm just curious what that process is like. Obviously, I think, uh, as I said, you know, me and Vikram, you know, we have a lot of complementing skills, right? Vikram, obviously, you know, is doing the heavy lifting on the tech. However, you know, when uh, I decided to take that leap and jump in this tech domain, I already spent 17 years in the industry. So super uh, connected. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that, my, my network helped me at least, you know, uh, open the doors uh, and or not open, in fact, knock the right doors to begin with. Right. However, when we, you know, got a, I mean, it was absolutely a sales pitch that we made to these companies. Right? When they saw merit, I think that's where things started uh, changing. However, I would, I mean, we were fortunate enough to have that network in place uh, so that we can cut down on that legwork and spending time to find out the right uh, resources or uh, the connects, sorry. Yeah. So I think this is one very, very important aspect. And obviously, once we had the right connect established, I think our tech team did a phenomenal job in terms of turnaround. Yeah. The expectation was, obviously, you know, we get only one chance right. and uh, <laughs> there are many in the queue, right? So that was the only window. What, what helped uh, was uh, to turn around immediately and show the real results and outputs. And obviously, you know, that is reflecting in the white papers that are published, not on our websites, but all these four uh, companies, you know, we have a, a white paper at least published now. Got it. Got it. Vikram, is there a kind of, and I say this along with you, right? But is there a kind mm-hmm. of geek joy in this optimization process? Do you know what I mean? Being able to take software that oh, yes. the team has written and the hardware that the team has built and just make it better and better and better. So then when you go to Intel and Cisco and NVIDIA and Dell, Right. They're like, wow, I can't believe how much this has changed. Is there some kind of geek joy in this? You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. So this is, actually, this is the only joy that has actually kept us going, to be honest. Right. So so there are you can't imagine there are some of the things that we discover still that there are these Tell me. Uh, windows of optimization. So uh, I'll give you one example Please. of very recent phenomena. Right. So we were now testing our platform on running at a large cluster. So instead of running on one device, now we are running it on, let's say, 10 large Dell servers together. Wow. And we want to monitor throughput of from every single component in the system. So the Intel CPUs, the NVIDIA GPUs. And one fine day, we were actually looking, me and Yati were looking at a screen and we were seeing uh, this one piece of hardware is not giving the right throughput. Why? Where is this bottleneck? So we were actually brainstorming. We thought maybe the network card is getting a bottleneck here. Maybe the motherboard is a bottleneck. Maybe it's it's not the right configuration. 
we were we were we were like shell shock because this is not this was not something that we expected right and this is not i'm not talking about four years ago i'm talking about two weeks ago right. okay because <laughs> because earlier uh, we did that but we never went into that detail that what impact i'll tell you so what happened was that so there are buses on the motherboard like pcie buses right yep. so their capacity actually matters when we are running things at this scale and we were shocked to find that except for probably very small community somewhere in hidden in, the, in this internet world nobody had actually anticipated this problem so so one gpu or one nvidia device is only getting a certain limited bandwidth from the motherboard and the cpu i love this and the entire hardware chain the pci bus on the card the pci bus on the motherboard the pci channel supported by the cpu all of them have to match and kind of be able to take up that workload simultaneously if there is there is a delta anywhere in this middle right if there is any one weak link in the chain the entire chain actually slows down and that is what was happening and we were trying to dig out forums and where it could have been happened it could have been done at scale we couldn't we couldn't find any so so this was a discovery i, I wouldn't say it was an invention but a discovery which which gave us a lot of joy and i was actually running around the uh, with the team that hey look at this this is something that we have found and i went to jatin was actually coming from another agency what we found why the, the the behavior that we were seeing why was that happening we were able to kind of figure that out yes yeah. so that childish joy of figuring out things is a primary mover for us it sure is it's you can hear it in your voice mike. that's that's sorry yeah go ahead <laughs> mike no no i was i was trying to add you know some sales joy also right <laughs> for sure <laughs> so yeah so 2000 you know we were just a team of 11 10 11 people and right. uh, every single small achievement you know was celebrated right i remember one incident you know this was the third meeting with one of my sales team members and me and him were you know uh, pre- presenting to third customer okay. why i said third you'll understand uh, you know <laughs> uh, first meeting was when we showcased our cisco white paper first time to one of the customers so i went to cisco's website i went to their product i went to data center i went to servers and you know i followed that uh, track in the second meeting again while the pdf was in my cache i could just simply click the url and went so i again did the same thing in the third meeting you know my team member asked when it is on cache why do you always go i said you know that's where you know we we make uh, you know that wow factor is there right oh we are on website of a company like cisco right right so even you know those small you know uh, things are celebrated and uh, in fact you know obviously you know we still celebrate them now any any uh, smaller large win or alliance or recognition from uh, you know the ecosystem outside so that's how you know these small joys <laughs> are you know they look they look forward to uh, such experiences always right as a startup absolutely i mean every little win is a gigantic win it feels like <laughs> <isn't> it? <laughs> you got to celebrate this stuff so do you look at the shopify business model and i'm not talking about the e-commerce thing but just the platform that they yeah. built and then the way that they've given access to that platform for third party software developers to then build on it but also to give those third party developers just from a business perspective a way for them to also build very large businesses right so that all of the value right. doesn't only accrue to shopify it accrues of to course. companies like shogun this is a year ago now right who 
raised money at like a half a billion or $750 million valuation. A lot of it actually invested by Shopify into them. Are you looking at the same type of business model where if you can enable other companies to build onto the app stack, right, that then they can also become big companies in their own right, but, but still sit on the platform. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Exactly. That is that is exactly the idea and the vision that we have. Unfortunately, the challenge is that because we are working in slightly little more complicated technology sure. from aggregating things point of view. So now we are starting to build those connections in the market where other developers can easily adopt our platform and start building. We are starting small because this is something again that I think this is our next uh, <laughs> I would say geek kick that we are expecting coming in from here, right? So now we have done the building part and we have done the uh, customer connect part. So developer connect part is something that is our next frontier to capture. Got it. And and exactly, we would love to have large companies being built on Aviros platform. And we just take a backseat and say, hey, we have the tools. We have the infra. We provide you the, the customer connect as well. You just build and take the technology to its logical conclusion. What is the impact of what's happening at um, OpenAI? Like all this stuff you hear about ChatGPT, the GPT-3 into GPT-4, the DALI stuff, like what is the impact of Mm -hmm. all of that research and work that's getting done? It's almost like real-time research in a way, right? Like Absolutely. And and this idea of open sourcing it, obviously, is kind of amazing. But like what is the impact of that on you? Do you lean on some of that development as well? Like what's the intersection of what you're building and what they're building? Is that a fair question? or It's absolutely a fair question. Actually, yesterday, just yesterday, <laughs> I got my access into ChatGPT and I did a quick demo to my entire team that, hey, look, first question I typed into it, how can video AI scale on heterogeneous hardware? That was my first query on ChatGPT, to be honest. Oh, wow. Uh, I have a screenshot of that as well, but having uh, said that, so, so the impact and the intersection that this has is twofold. One, it helps us actually create a lot of tailwind about adoption of technology in general. Right, right, right. right. So from a market point of view, people know that now we are not talking about a technology which is in, in the lab. We are talking about something that has that is real impact and it yeah. can actually fundamentally change the way we do things. So, so it is helping in setting up that flagpole, which everybody can look up to. And it makes our job as a company easier to pitch our solutions. That is one. And second, the research and the activity that is happening in here, we basically, the envelope of available technology is expanding as well, right? So there are GPT-3, now GPT-4 is actually in the works. That is going to be another beast. Uh, On the other side, there is stable diffusion. And also, so this research is fueling a lot of expansion so all of them are i would say what we call in the generative ai space where you can generate content right so this research and this advancement is also helping in automating several tasks in the interpretation application of ai where we lie actually so so how we interpret video how we interpret images how we do that for for a given customer is also getting benefited because a lot of that content can actually help us number one train better ai number two write better code so we actually tested gpt for some some key concepts that are being used and it, it did not of course as good a job as a human programmer today but a close job close to probably 80 percent of that job and third very important factor that this intersection is going to help us with is that the new architectures 
that are being built, right? So this actually validates our platform assumption that there is a lot of shifting ground under the world and we need to have a platform on top of it, which allows you to leverage the underlying technology in a seamless way. Right. So that actually validates our platforms or OS stance as well, because nobody can actually, or nobody should worry about everything that is happening in the world to build a new technology, right? We take care of that for you. You just build on top of the interface that we provide to you. This gets back to the functional abstraction stuff that we were talking about earlier, Please, right? Exactly. This idea that yeah. if I want to optimize my video AI code, why should I do that myself? Why shouldn't I just talk Absolutely. to an operating system that's already done the optimization to the machine? But but again, this is not Absolutely. this is not like a novel concept. We do this everywhere. But what you're doing is you're abstracting Absolutely. it out and taking that function and just highly optimizing that. This should be obvious to people when they look at it, right? Can I ask you this too, though? Are you... Surprise is like the wrong way to, it's the wrong word choice here. But like when you started doing this back in 2015, you had this vision of like where artificial intelligence and its relationship to video and the ability to analyze it could be. But how would you characterize how much the technology has changed? Right, Because I'm not involved in it every day, right? Yes. yes. You know, and I, I always say like, the guy who designs the windshield wiper on the car must be bummed out because right. he's still like a car engineer, but the windshield wipers haven't changed much in 150 years kind of okay. thing. Yeah. But what yeah. you're working on, what you guys are working on is changing like moment by moment. And I'm just curious for yeah. those of us that are uninitiated, how sophisticated and how much different it is today than it was in 2015. Okay, uh, I think I'll give a short answer, right? The difference is actually like having uh, exactly on the level of having assembly language or assembly code to a Python code. Got it. So it's that different. That's what I right? want to know. So yep. actually, yeah, so so what computer, uh, computer engineering went from probably, I would say, late 60s, 2010, the journey that was traveled in 50 years, the same journey AI has traveled in five years. That's what I want to know. Same level of transition i think probably more to be honest right so in 2015 i can tell you writing a simple application the technology the hardware requirement the underlying support that was available right it was like banging our head against the wall every single second now lord <laughs> a lot of these uh Challenges have been more structured, have been optimized at a great degree, and we have changed, or I think one thing that we have done well so far is to adapt very quickly as well. Like with newer technologies coming in, newer uh, optimizations coming in, we have also stayed ahead of the curve in adopting them before they even get to public in most cases. So yes, uh, it, it has made our job tougher in one way, it has made it more exciting in another way, right. but the change is is drastic. I think uh, being able to write one application was a six month job on a Windows platform in 2015. Today it is a probably less than six days job. So you can also compare it that way, right? The speed has increased dramatically. Yeah, uh, in all respects. I think a lot of people use AWS as an example of how a piece of technology right. was abstracted away, Correct. right? And this feels like the same thing in the sense that Absolutely. I remember, so you don't know this, but when I was at Morgan Stanley, I was actually a Unix systems administrator. I went through a course wow. at, yeah, I did. I went through a course at Sun Microsystems in New York and did all that stuff anyway. But building your own server from scratch was something that we did do. We wrote our own scripts. Okay. We did the software. We could implement it and propagate it across the whole place where we... Um, maintain those servers and the desktop right. machines. And yet one day AWS just went, 
just send us a check and you're already done. And it's highly optimized, yeah. <laughs> right? But, but I'm just yeah. making the analogy so people can understand because that's kind of what you're Absolutely. saying, right? Like if you want to do yes. video AI, that's great. Build an app for it, but don't do all this backend optimization because it's a waste of your time and we've already done it for you. Absolutely. Okay. And uh, our experience says the split is anywhere between uh, 10 is to 90 or maybe 20 is to 80 in the best case, right? Yep. So 10% is the core effort and 80% is the other engineering effort, right. which you, which is not your core job at all. No. Let somebody else take care of it. And exactly like AWS takes care of managing servers for you. Same and thing. we will take care of managing the underlying infra for you. What is the what is the implication or the impact of quantum computing on this space? And how hard is it to port the OS from mm -hmm. one hardware architecture or one you know architecture to another? Probably an ignorant answer. Uh, I, I don't fully understand the spread of it, but, but from what I understand, call, uh, quantum computing is great at trying different combinations which were linearly happening earlier in normal computers. Quantum can actually try multiple states at once. That is what quantum computing is all about. Yep. So it is great at cracking code and maybe uh, helping in some sort of highly efficient compute. As of now, at least in my belief, the way deep learning or AI software is written. It is a linear network of nodes or a series of nodes that basically process incoming information and give you insight, right? So if an, we pass in an image, it goes through stages of processing and tells you there are four people in that image, for example. So in this architecture mapping, the advantages of quantum computing into it are not that obvious yet. Yeah. Not okay. only to me, I don't think to a community at large, it will need a fundamental rewrite of how this compute is done. And I'm sure people are already working on that. In general, for us or for this industry to adopt new hardware or new hardware architecture is a big learning curve always because this fundamentally changes the way software is written at the first place and yep. then software optimization is done at the second place as well. Actually, we are proud today to say that we are uh, now portable on Intel, NVIDIA, Qualcomm, AMD, and couple other younger acceleration hardwares. Of yeah. course, not quantum computing there yet. Yeah. So, so we have done our bit in making sure that uh, our apps are portable across these five hardware platforms, uh, including uh, Kinara, another very promising hardware platform that we are working closely with as well. But yes, it, it takes a lot of effort. And as an OS, now it is our job to make it easy for everybody else. When an app is written for, uh, let's say, uh, Windows, right? It doesn't matter whether it's going to run on, on an Intel hardware or an AMD hardware, for example, right? right? Or same yep. happens for an Android app. We are exactly doing the same for video AI as well. Got it. Yatin, do you want to give any closing comments? Talking about one uh, core, com core element around in the ecosystem, which is the customer, right? So I think uh, what Vikram mentioned about 80, 20 or uh, 90, 10, Right. You know, where 10% is the core uh, algorithm and, you know, the rest of 90% is the engineering around it. And that's what Everos is doing. I think we need to understand what is driving on both the sides, customer as well as tech. Yeah, Customer is making significant investment, capex investment in cameras, in network, in buying expensive hardware for inferencing, right? Obviously, he is not going to just use one application. How do he derives the investment, you know, out of out of the ROI, which is uh, he's trying to get. What we have seen is from 18 till now, on an average, a customer is using at least 10 applications of Averos on an average, 
on the same infrastructure. Now, if that is the pace at which the adoption of application is increasing, you know, uh, the the development of the application also has to match the same pace, right? right? And that is the exact point where these two, the requirement and Everos's uh, thought process and vision meets together. We are trying to enable and accelerate the development of application by creating this ecosystem and creating a marketplace for the customers to adopt application across the domains. And that, that is where uh, we believe that uh, we will be able to serve each and every customer with whatever applications or field of view of the camera allows to, you to run, right? Not every application will be able to run on every camera field of view. I think this is an interesting uh, equation which is building up. And we believe that, uh, again, the technologies like 5G and Edge AI, I yeah. think these two are going to be very, very uh, important in enhancing and accelerating the adoption of uh, applications by the customers. I think here the behavior is very important to understand where this whole thing is getting driven from. Do you want to explain to people why? Do you want to explain to people why five G matters? Yeah. And you said edge AI, yeah, because yeah. there's a yeah. there's a difference here between edge computing, cloud computing, which we should probably explain yeah. to people, right? Because it matters where you know, particularly on a mobile device, like just how close yeah. it is to the stuff that's actually getting processed, so that the latency yeah. between what's being thought and then what's getting sent is is minimized. Sorry, you, you want to just yeah. explain what that difference is? The difference is in the way it is completely architected, right? Yeah. There are two ways uh, to bring. One is either you bring the complete video onto a data center and process it uh, and infer it uh, at the data center, but that's too costly. And at times, the lag in terms of sending the metadata back and action being taken on that metadata is uh, something which uh, will be very important yeah. for a few customers. Take example of traffic. I was going to say, a car moving at 120 kilometers an hour. A car moving at 120 kilometers an yeah. hour. And suppose, you know, there is a violation of uh, traffic signal. Right. Uh, I think the local authorities want, you know, the metadata and the action to be generated real at, at where the action is happening, right? It is at the edge or at a traffic signal. So when we talk about edge AI, you know, that will enable faster decision-making for businesses. Uh, take example of a foundry. Where chips are made. Uh, there yeah. may be, yeah, uh, not not a chips one, but the, the manu real manufacturing uh, heavy engineering. Got it. So how edge AI will impact is, Let's say there is a safety compliance issue at a remote factory and uh, there are connected factories. So it cannot happen that the video travel all the way down right. to a data center and, uh, you know, I mean, it will basically delay the process. It may be a safety hazard. So the real-time inferencing will allow the person at the action point to take decision immediately. And, you know, this is, this is actually uh, prevalent across lot of applications of compliance, traffic, security, safety. So uh, this is going to impact uh, in a big way. Obviously, you know, uh, one uh, factor which will also uh, be important to look at is how the cost of uh, hardware uh, inferencing comes down. I think the telecom operators, developers of the hardware, all have to kind of come together and, uh, you know, boost this whole idea right. of adoption. Still, we believe it's... Uh, a consumer would uh, take a call 
uh, whether to go for a particular architecture depending upon how much expenditure is uh, getting incurred in, or the capexes you know incurred in those uh, this whole uh, decision making if you're building your own os right and you're optimizing it for your own hardware sorry to jump back into this again but just a little bit more stuff that's interesting to me you're also going to have to build your own tools for development on that os right so and because it's a new operating system, the tools are probably also new. In a way, it reminds me of what Apple did when they moved from Objective-C into Swift, and they were like, this is the new paradigm. It's not finished yet, per se. Yeah. So how closely are you working together with your partners in the development, not just of the OS, like we need to have this access or that access, but in the tools as well so they can build the proper applications for that platform? Yes, so <laughs> I think I'll give a very good short answer. We have a tool called Genie. It's basically a, not a tool, but it's a tool chain called Genie, which does the magic behind the <laughs> scenes it. for you. Gives you a boilerplate or a sandbox to play for uh, play around, and you just plug in a few uh, you, your bits uh, in there and, and get up and running. Slightly, I think, uh, uh, more involved answer is that we have taken a conscious choice in not building or not changing the way significantly the things have been done. So for example, if a person is familiar with a certain way of writing computer vision or video AI applications, we have used that similar formats and programming languages and interfaces so that it is the, the transition from how things are done outside of Aviros and how the, are things done within Aviros are nearly the same. Of course, there is some learning curve, but we have not drastically changed consciously drastically changed that approach we have used the existing tools chains as much as possible of Got course it. we have built our own libraries on top of it which is hopefully not going to be a, a steep hill for anybody else to climb okay boys i'm gonna let you go i really appreciate your sure. time today vikram gupta yatin kavishwar co-founders of aviros i hope you enjoyed this as much as i did this was awesome this was lovely thank you michael have a great day thank you thanks michael